Hey there, and welcome to High Vibe In It. I'm Lindsay Robinson, hypnotherapist and success mindset expert. And I'm Kelsey Aida, inspirational author and blogger slash manifesting expert. And we're best friends who are inspired to create a self-development podcast with a spiritual twist. To us, living a high vibe life is all about creating with intention, prioritizing how you feel, and making empowered choices that support your highest potential. Every week, we're here to help you learn how to live a more aligned, inspired life, start owning your power, and manifest the life of your dreams. Visit highvibeinit.com to connect with us on social media and learn about more ways we can help. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Now, we have a ton of value to offer you today, so let's dive in. I'm going to take away from this retreat pure happiness, new friends, new amazing friends, and the confidence to live my life again. My favorite part, because it's the most important part, is the healing. I don't remember a time when I was more embraced and cradled and there was an angel in every single woman in this group for me. Every person deserves to have this experience, to have this awakening and to feel fulfilled in their life. I could not have asked for a better six days of my life. You become a better person, you meet awesome people, you go home with a whole new tribe of soul sisters. If you're thinking about doing this, do it. There's no reason not to. What you just heard were the experiences of some of the amazing women who attended my last Radical Self-Love Retreat, and I have great news! I'm now accepting applications for my upcoming retreat. We are going back to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico to do it all over again this October 2021. So grab a friend and reserve your space before it fills up. It is time to love yourself like never before in paradise. You can join me at kelseyaida.com retreat. Hope to see you there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening to High Vibe In It. We are so excited to have you here. We have a very special guest on to talk about a very juicy topic that I think is going to be helpful for basically anyone who is a human being and lives on this earth and has ever experienced fear. So we're really excited to dive into that. I would love to introduce to you Miss Monica Berg. She is a change junkie and author of Fear is Not an Option and Rethink Love. So Monica, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. And can you tell everyone a little bit more about who you are and what you do? So um, I do many, many different things. I am a change junkie. And I like that term because most people, I think, fear change. Um, we all do, in fact, right? We like to hold on to the things that we've worked so hard to cultivate and create. Um, and change, quite honestly, scares us. So when I started to really embrace this idea and really, I mean, we know that change is a constant, right? So there's that paradox. We know it's something that's with us every step of the way for all of our lives, but we like the change to come in the ways that we welcome, which is usually in a, in a space of control. Um, it's very organized, very determined. But what I learned is that by leaning into the things that you never anticipate happening and the things that make us really uncomfortable or make us upset 
or um, have some kind of negative reaction to, those are the times where we actually want to lean into that, right? And really look for what the opportunity and the gift is in the situation. Because every single situation, especially the ones that are more difficult for us, are set up for us to really grow from. And by embracing it, you find a freedom that you never knew existed before or could exist. So now I actively um, challenge myself to find the change and therefore the opportunity in each and every experience. Mm, I like how you're using change and opportunity synonymously, because I think oftentimes we just associate the change with, we just label it as unknown. And then we project like fearful anxiety things into the unknown. And then we think, oh, I'm scared of the unknown. I don't want change. But if you can think of change as opportunity, that's a whole another perspective spin that will help, I think, open our minds and hearts to it a little bit more. So I it's really so like funny. that. I had a teacher in high school instead of saying it's test day, you have a test, he would say you have an opportunity and we always hated it, but I know what he was doing now. <laughs> it's like, yes. Looking back, I'm like that he was trying to reframe it so that we wouldn't get like test anxiety or be nervous yes. about the test, but I don't know if it worked as a 16 year old, <laughs> but, but looking back, I'm so glad that, you know, even if it worked on one kid or, you know, a class for him, it's, it's so worth it. I love that. And I love that you even have change on a necklace. Is that what it says? Change? That's so empowering, isn't it? Because now you're like, I'm choosing to make this a part of me and calling yourself the change junkie. What does that mean to you? And how has it kind of shaped your journey and helped you along the way? Well, it's interesting because I think that I was able to take this leap because first I was able to identify and overcome a lot of the fears that I had in life, right? I never realized how closely intertwined they were. Um, and I think that people go through life, there's many ways to live life, but I'm only interested in living one that is working for me and that I feel successful, not just in the physical sense, but in every sense of that word as a human being mostly. So to be somebody who looks for change, it really shifts the way you look at every day. So that means if I wake up in the morning and I'm very goal oriented, I'm very organized, I do have plans and aspirations and I work hard for them daily. However, with that said, I've learned to equally be able to be somebody that embraces uh, the disappointments or the things that were not planned in a day. So that means that in any given moment, I might wake up in the morning and I think I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Let's even use the example of catching a flight, right? That's happened to many of us. My husband likes to blame me for the flights we've missed, but in fact, really it is him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but we actually look at it as an opportunity to yeah. have a date. You know, we did that once we were going to a destination birthday, um, and everybody was on the flight together. My friend had booked it. It was her 40th. And, uh, we were like the person in front of us got on the flight and we were the ones that were like, no, sorry, you you missed Aww. it by a minute. Right. Whoa. But we looked at each other and we were like, okay, that's so awesome. Who cares? We'll get on the next flight. Let's go get a drink or go to the bookstore. There's like spas and airports. Like we were like, this is, we were so at that time. I remember specifically, we hadn't had a lot of alone time together, which was not normal for us. So we took it as an opportunity to have a date in the airport. And funnily enough, when we landed three hours after everybody else, 
they were on the worst flight. It had the worst um, turbulence. They were freaking out. They were so scared. Some people got sick and our flight was completely smooth. It just left like an hour after. So I think that even if you don't always see the outcome immediately, if you're able to shift your perspective, then you're on, your brain actually is now sent to say, okay, that can't happen. Instead of ruminating about why it didn't happen or I'm not deserving that it didn't happen or somehow I deserve to be punished. Instead, right away, you're like, okay, I'm not meant to be there. So yeah. where else can I now put my energy? And honestly, it really changed the way that I saw everything. And therefore the way that I am a mother, a friend, a sister, a teacher, an author, everything shifted even more so from, from owning that. Wow. I'm just like immediately it. thinking of all the times when I was like, why didn't that go the way I wanted to? And it's so, e it seems so easy in hindsight to just be like, well, I wasn't meant to be there because and in almost every situation, when you're looking back on things, not planning out the way, not going the way you planned is it's better. It turns out way better. And we just can't see that in the moment. So that's the practice I think is being able to like you, you know, we missed our flight. How can we make this the best opportunity and, and make the most of it? That's just so cool. Right. And that's the key there, right? Because I think that if I ask you or I, either one of you or any of your listeners, right now, look back at a time that was challenging and how can you see where there might've been an opportunity? Yeah. That's one way. And sure that I'm somebody who is, you know, thought followed by immediate action. So what I want to um, encourage you to do is next time you find yourself let down, feeling disappointed, things didn't go the way you planned, ask yourself, okay, what can I be doing right now since that's not happening, right? So once I, my trip got canceled and I was like, okay, great. That's awesome because now this whole week is not planned. I have zero scheduled in my planner. I can work on a book, right? I can start writing something. So you start to now train yourself to see everything. And when you look for opportunities, even from disappointment, right away, your brain finds it. And then you go into emotion and you create something that you couldn't have created before. Yeah. Yeah, it's really the practice of refocusing, right? Because you can spend your time wallowing and focusing on how things didn't go your way and focusing on how little you have control over and getting upset. And you can work yourself up about it via the thoughts in your mind. Or you could choose better feeling thoughts, which are, hey, now I have time to do something new. This is an opportunity to try, opportunity to try something maybe I've never tried or always wanted to do. This is an opportunity to refocus in another direction. Um, and just assume that there's a good reason for the reroute and you'll feel so much better. <laughs> mm -hmm. What do you tell people who are scared to take quote unquote the leap? Like let's say in bigger circumstances where there's fear to make a change, we're resisting change, but a part of us knows that like if we did make that change, probably our lives would be way better, but we're just so obsessed holding on to what is known. I love this question. I have so many tools you could use here. I think the first thing is just ask yourself and know this truth, actually. If you fear um, taking risks, right? You have a risk averse kind of lifestyle, then you also have a joy averse because by stopping yourself from experiencing different things in life, you actually cut off your joy, right? Your curiosity, because curiosity is really what makes us happy by being curious about something and then going after it and trying to learn it or understand it or live it different ways. Actually, as human beings, it fills a very basic need that we have. Um, 
the other thing is, you know, for me, a big motivator is I rather the pain of discipline than the pain of regret. So it is a discipline, right? To actually choose something else in each moment where you might be disappointed. But then I never, ever look back and say, wow, I wish I had done that now where I am at. And then the, the biggest thing I think also is to ask yourself, if you make, if you stay and you keep your fears alive that you have today, right? Imagine the fear that you have the most, feel it, taste it in this moment, right? Now, if you live your life holding on to that fear and feeding the fear, because basically you are keeping it alive, then how will your life look in one year from now, in five years from now, or in 10 years from now? That's a sobering thought, right? Now, if you challenge the fear and you're able to say, okay, I'm not going to give that energy. I'm going to go ahead and public speak, even though I'm terrified of that because I have something to say and I believe more in what I have to say than the fear of being rejected. If you're able to force yourself, so then what does your life look like one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, if you eliminate that fear from your life. And I think if people are able to live their lives with a bigger perspective of what's happening and they change their perception, then they're able to make better choices no matter how scary they are because they realize what's at risk here. Right, because it's like, okay, do you want to die having all these regrets or would you rather take a chance and maybe things might work out a lot better and you're not going to be on your deathbed like kicking yourself. Well, I wish I would have done all those things, but I was just too scared. It, totally. I think that people um, take their feelings very seriously, their, their emotions very seriously, and you can take any negative emotion, right? They get fear, rejection, worry, anxiety, whatever it is, and you can keep feeding that every day and use that as a reason not to do the thing that you really meant to do. But I promise you, 15, 20, 30 years from now, let's say the opportunities really are not available, that kind of pain, and I see this a lot with people I work with, that is something that, you know, you then you don't have necessarily the same options and you can live then in the past so are you really living this life it's not really a life lived well right right you can't really live fully your life if you're not really making moves and taking action and taking risks because it's always going to involve risk and I think the distinction here with fear and I go through this with a lot of my one-on-one -on -one clients that I coach it's like the fear itself is not the problem. It's the fact that you're listening so much to the fear that you're acting from that and you're letting that influence your decisions so much and you're letting it stop you from living your best life. Because I think there's a way where you can like process the fear, be like, okay, fear, yeah, I hear you, but I'm the adult, it's my life. We don't even know if that's actually gonna happen and I'm gonna do what feels best for me, even though you're scared and here, I'll just give you a hug through the process and I'm doing what I wanna do anyway because <laughs> a lot of people think oh the fear is stopping me the fear is stopping me it's like no it's not the fear it's you stopping yourself because of the fear and because you're scared to experience whatever you're projecting into the future but it's not necessarily the actual fear I find with working with people well this is the thing about fear in my book fear is not an option I identify three different types because I think that when you can name your fear right you're, you're already releasing it yeah. um and and I wanna go through the three if you wanna hear about it. Yeah. Um, because I think the thing is when people kind of try to manage their fears or talk to their fears, that's still a lot of energy, right? I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in eradicating fear. I think you're gonna see my, my style of uh, teaching and living really is like a lot of movement, right? From one place to the next. Um, so there's real fear. There's, let's start with healthy. There's healthy fear, there's real fear, and then there's illogical fear. So healthy fear is like it sounds. It's set up for our survival and our protection. It's 
there to keep us safe. So for instance, if you're hiking and you go too close to the edge of a cliff, right? You know that feeling in your gut, something pulls you back, step away, you could fall, it could be in danger. Or if your hand is too close to an open flame, again, you jump back. Those are all um, survival instincts, right? They're there, even intuition, that gut feeling you get, right? We have so many nerve endings. It's really our first brain is our gut. That feeling we get when we're about to walk into an elevator and somebody's already there and you're like, wait a second, I don't feel comfortable being in this closed space for too long with this person for whatever reason. Often though, we, we usually ignore those feelings. We should not. Um, there's a story in my book and I, I think it's a really powerful one about Carol uh, Durant from Murray, Utah. And she was approached by a police officer one day. She was in a parking lot and he came over to her and he said, hi, you know, your car has been broken into and we've apprehended the suspect. We have some of your objects by the station. Can you come and identify them to make sure that they're yours? And she got that feeling in her stomach that was like, wait a second, I'm not sure this is a good idea. She asked to see his badge. So he showed it to her. Reluctantly, she decided to go in the car with him in this police car. They start driving down the highway and she notices they're going in the opposite direction of the station. So she puts one hand on the door of her, of the car door and the driver, right, is steering with his left hand and with his right hand, he's trying to now handcuff her left hand. So because she was already alarmed, she had her hand ready. She jumped out of the moving car. He pulls over, a fight ensues on the side of the road and miraculously she escapes. A few wow. days later, she's looking in the newspaper and on that same day that she was attacked, she notices that another woman was attacked a few hours later. She was raped and murdered and they mm -hmm. found the man that did it. And she looked at the picture and it was the police officer that she had, that had approached her that day. And in fact, it was serial killer, Ted Bundy. Yay. So she's, yeah, she's one of the few people that ever actually survived um, his attacks. I think there was one other maybe. And, uh, and that was her intuition, right? Had she not actually been alarmed, she wouldn't have been prepared. She wouldn't have actually gotten away. So we have to tell you guys about our favorite meditation app right now, which is the all wonderful Headspace. I don't know if you guys are already using it, but if you aren't, you need to at least give it a try because it is one of my favorites. I've tried them all. What I love about it is it's one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. Also, they have really cute, easy to use app. Um, it's full of guided meditations where they really break it down and help you visualize what you're doing so you can be fully immersed in the experience. I always recommend this to people who have struggled with meditation because I think it's one of the fastest and easiest ways to learn how to do it in a way that's actually effective for you. Um, also, they can help you feel better whatever your situation is. So if you're overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation that's perfect for you. If you have trouble falling asleep, Headspace has wind down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids, which is so cute and awesome. Headspace approach to mindfulness can help you to reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I seriously love this app and cannot recommend it enough. They are backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, whoa, and over 60 million downloads. So if you guys aren't using Headspace, you need to get on it because Headspace is awesome and it makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. 
You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash vibin for one month free. That's headspace.com slash V-I-B-I-N with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. Go get your free month trial. This is the best deal offered right now. So go to headspace.com slash V-I-B-I-N today. Damn. Where did Ted Bundy get a police badge? Oh, I don't even know in those days. I mean, and by the way, he was so confident, right? Yes. I mean, he was so confident. We know all about him now because we yeah. there's been like documentary and all these true crime obsessed people. Like, there's no detail left unturned. But where did he get the police? Yeah. Anyway, that's incredible. And I I know there are so many stories just like that. I actually have a client who who related something similar, and she it's it's a it's a long story I won't go completely into it but she she was with at a party with her friends and she's always been super connected to her intuition couldn't explain why but she knew she had to get her and her friends out of there because the champagne tasted funny now all of her friends were like there's nothing wrong with the champagne chill you know they were all drinking it and she's like no 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 something's wrong with it so she gets them out of there and the next day they recognize the people on the news who had like been convicted of date raping all these girls and she's just like you're welcome and everyone was like so hungover because they had the champagne and they were really feeling it the next day they didn't know what was going on so they finally went to the doctor and they were like yeah you guys have been wow you got out of there so I mean I know especially like we are so we're born connected to our intuition and somewhere along the way we're told that it's you know we shouldn't listen to it so anyway you were talking about Health fears, healthy fears, instinctual. Yep. But by the way, to your point, I think that we do get that feedback a lot, especially women and girls, right? When we're younger, like you should be, you should seem kind and thoughtful and polite. Like that's the feedback we get. We don't get the feedback that, listen, if something feels wrong, it's wrong. I mean, that's how I'm raising my daughters. I have four kids and especially with all of them, but especially my girls, you know, um, I say to them, just because somebody is an authority, right? A police officer, a doctor, a lawyer, it does not mean they have authority over you. Never Mm -hmm. assign somebody else to tell you how you feel about how you feel, right? Yes. So yeah, I didn't have that growing up either. Um, So healthy fear is a fear we actually want to respect. We want to hear, we want to work with, right? Then there's real fear. Real fear is how it sounds. It's um, based in reality. It's fear of death, disease, illness, losing our loved ones. And this is a fear also that we can use. We need to convert though, how we feel about it. So for instance, if we fear losing our parents, right? That's a big one. A lot of people spend time thinking about that, what life will be like once they're not here. And, um, and even when we're with them, right? We're not really fully present or enjoying the time because we're thinking about that fateful day that will come. So, and also we don't necessarily speak kindly to our parents always, right? So if this is a real fear that you have, then make sure that your time together is connected, is kind. You tell them you love them, you appreciate your time. So this is a fear that can really change our, awaken us to shift our consciousness and use those experiences for something that's really powerful. The same thing, people who are afraid of getting sick, right? And getting illnesses. Of course, there's certain things that we're predisposed to, but we know that factors like stress and diet, lack of exercise, too much sugar, all of this can contribute to creating illness in the body. So again, if you have a real fear there, there are steps that you can take to make sure that you live the kind of quality of life that you want. So this is a fear I also think that we can work with. 
And then there's illogical fear. Now, this is the fear that actually um, affects us the most. It's 99% of all of our fears. It's fear of heights, rejection, public speaking, roaches, snakes, elevators, planes. Um, it, telling It's all the things that keep us from living the life we're meant to. It keeps us paralyzed. It keeps us stuck, worried, frantic. This is the fear that needs to be eradicated. This is what stops you from writing the novel you want or becoming the actress that you've always wanted or whatever it is that's on your list, right? These are the, these are the fears that we feed instead of actually eradicating. And the thing about this kind of fear is unless you actually challenge it, you collect more throughout your lifetime. Like if you think about yourself as a child, you know, I, we can't really remember learning to walk perhaps, but learning to ride a bike or roller skating or going on a roller coaster, right? We loved these kinds of challenges because we enjoyed them and we, we grew from them and we wanted what was on the other side of that. When we get older, we're like, oh, no, no, I better not do that because, and before you know it, you're walking around with these burdens and baggage of a lot of fear. Yeah, I really like to challenge the fear because it's like, okay, is this an actual threat or is this a perceived threat? Because that distinction is very important. And like you said, 99% of the time, once you question it, you're going to realize, oh, this isn't in my immediate reality, something that's an actual threat to me. This is something that I'm assuming could happen or um, really most fear is just speculation. You're just speculating, oh, that bad thing's going to happen to me. Your anxiety is always speculating about the future and that you really shouldn't live your life just from speculation. <laughs> well, I think people take, oh, remember that one time where you were on a plane and you felt like that? So then they think, okay, every time I'm going to fly, it's going to be like that, right? It's the right. thing that we do, but that's, that's, we can, shift our consciousness. The ability to do that is one of the most powerful things we as human beings can actually do. Most people just accept it though as a new truth instead of challenging it. And that's where we sell ourselves short. Yeah. So let's talk about the challenging and the shifting. What does that look like? Can you give us like an example of a typical fear that's like not probably going to happen, one that needs to be quote unquote eradicated and the process of doing that? Well, there's a few things. I think the first thing to do, and it sounds very basic, but I think you ask yourself, what would I do if I wasn't afraid, mm -hmm. right? And then you go do it. <laughs> you just go do it, right? I think that so many times people like to talk about their feelings and talk about, you know, they stay stuck in the talking, you know, they replace talk for action. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a quick remedy. Um, the other thing is, you know, my mantra really is fear is not an option. So if it's not an option, automatically you're going to look for another alternative, right? And that's how the brain works too. So if you are afraid to do something, you're saying, well, that's not an option. So if that's not an option, then what are my options? And now you're going to come up with a list that are there. Um, and there's, there's so many ways to challenge your fears. You know, it's, you can start early in the morning where your willpower is stronger, right? If you're, let's say you're afraid to drive on the highway. So you decide to drive for 10 minutes, start even for three minutes, right? Go from one exit entrance to the first exit you see. Do it early in the morning or a time where you know it's not that crowded. The point is just to take baby steps. So small step after small step, small change after small change creates great change. That's how you don't take anything that you see as fact, because in fact, you can change anything that you so desire. I can tell you a story. Um, it was I started to really look at any fears I had. And I was like, okay, this, I am not, I don't want to live that life. Right. Uh, so my my second son was born with Down syndrome. I found out a few hours after he was born. And I think that this really was the 
point of when I started to challenge my fears because my worst fear came true. Although I never thought that that would happen. I was terrified of anything that challenged somebody mentally because my, my uncle became schizophrenic seemingly overnight when I was eight. So I equated any kind of brain um, uh, delay or, or illness as some like the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Like I could not survive that, right? So uh, that brought all my fears to the forefront. And, uh, and then I decided that, and I realized that everybody has the same fear in life. It's the unknowable, right? Um, that unknowable quality of, we wake up this morning, like I said earlier, we don't really know what's gonna happen. We think we know how the taste gonna be, but in fact, we really have no idea. Yeah. So I realized that that was, the fear that everybody had. And it comes in different um, situations for people. I call them gifts. Most people call them chaos, <laughs> but they come in little pockets of for us to really unfold and open and find purpose and meaning from it. So that's really started my journey on fear. But anyway, and I can, wait, I can go back to that if you want, but to the story I was going to say. So I gave birth then I got pregnant when he was three months old with my daughter, because I knew that if I didn't just jump right back in, that I probably would have had a fear of having more children. Mm. Um, my chances of having another child with Down syndrome, even though it was just a fluke, right? It's an extra chromosome are now heightened just because I've already had a child with Down syndrome. And, uh, and I thought even if I one day decided mentally that I was ready physically, maybe my body would have had different feedback and now I couldn't get pregnant. Right. So that, to do that, I think was the most courageous thing I've ever done in my life to go ahead and, and get pregnant again. Um, and then I call that period after I gave to my daughter, Miriam, uh, there was before Josh and after Josh. So before, you know, I thought that I was like, I loved anything like an adrenaline rush. Um, I was the person that you called in any kind of panic situation. I could pull people's teeth out, leave my cousins, like I blood. I mean, no problem, right? <laughs> so I had this great idea. I was like, we need some fun. The kids were a little older now, I think five, six, and maybe 10. We didn't have our daughter Abigail yet. And I'm like, let's go to an amusement park. It's going to be fun. We're going to go on roller coasters. I love roller coasters. My husband doesn't love heights. I'm like, no, no, it's not, but you're going to love it, right? Of course, I convinced everybody. And I've found a theme in my life now. Whenever I'm convincing everybody to do something, usually like I'm the one who learns the biggest <laughs> lesson. So we get on the first roller coaster and we're inching up, you know, how it starts really slowly. And, uh, and this is in California. I think it might've been Space Mountain or Magic Mountain. I don't know. And there's this white bear on the left side. And he's like waving slowly and he's meant to be adorable, I'm sure. I thought this is the last thing I'm ever going to see. It's a sign of actually impending doom and wow. I'm going to die. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. And my heart I starts I do beating. that all the time with the most <laughs> random. So I'm like, must be a sign. But I totally am with you. I completely understand this. Okay. Keep going. That is so funny. So my palms are sweating. My hands are shaking. I'm, my heart's pounding and we're going so slow and it's like you're not really that like i could have squeezed out if i wanted to i thought of the seatbelt. so <laughs> there's like this platform next to the bear i'm like okay, i'm just gonna jump off here and they'll come get me and i actually i had that thought okay and then i caught the thought i said oh my god you sound crazy you will never live this down you're going to be on the evening news and you're going to humiliate your entire family like of course you're staying on the roller coaster and the thought i think was so scary that i had it that it really sobered me mm -hmm. <laughs> so i go on the roller coaster of course i see the little thing out and when we get off i i hated it right i didn't like my adrenal glands were shot i did not enjoy yeah. it 
But then I said to my husband, I'm like, let's go on every single roller coaster in the park today because I'm not going to leave with this fear now. Because mm-hmm. I knew, I knew that I would have. So I did. And you know, when you walk into an amusement park, they take like the, the picture right when you arrive. So I had a baseball cap on, my hair was in braids, my, I'm looking like my, my cheeks are flushed. And then we have like an after picture. I don't know why we took a picture <laughs> at the end of the day. My hair is like fried, like frizzy. I'm yellow. Okay. I look like I'm about to throw up, but like I did it. And now I like roller coasters again. I never loved them as much as I did when I was a child, but I totally enjoy them. And I have to, I want to go whenever I go, but imagine same thing with skiing, right? I don't ski that often, but when I ski, I'm, I'm pretty good, but I need it. I have to work my way up. And every time there's going to be a time where you fall or you see, you go to a higher mountain and it's scary but you have to challenge yourself in those times. If not, you will become a fear-based person who's just afraid to try anything that's new or take risks. We've all been sold a lie by the weight loss industry that weight equals health. The number on the scale has become so powerful that it literally defines how people feel and think about themselves, which is lame, but that's not an accurate reflection of true health, which is why Lindsay and I are totally loving using FitTrack's Dara Smart Scale. So this scale, it doesn't just measure your weight. It tells you all the different numbers of your body composition, 17 different health measurements, including body fat percentage, muscle mass, hydration levels, bone density, and more. It works just like a regular scale where you just step on it, it takes your reading, but then you can sync it to your phone, the FitTrack app, which is free. And that's where you can see all your different stats and you can track them over time. It is so cool. This FitTrack's Dara Smart Scale is one of the most accurate home smart scales in the world. And like I said, it measures 17 different body compositions, which is literally blowing my mind. And my boyfriend used to play football professionally and he's like, I just don't know how this machine can know all these numbers, but somehow it does. Um, Because you know how in the olden days you had to hold like these metal things and then it would like track it that way and you couldn't really know this information like from your home, you'd have to go to a place that had special equipment, but now it can be all right in your bathroom or wherever you keep your scale and you can keep track of everything over time to really measure your health progress and not just your weight. Stop measuring weight and start measuring health with FitTrack. Go to FitTrack.com slash Vibin to take 50% off your order, guys. Plus, for a limited time, you also save an additional 30% with code BUILD30, that's B-U-I-L-D 30 at checkout. So go to FitTrack.com, that's F-I-T-T-R-A-C-K.com slash V-I-B-I-N to save 50% plus get an additional 30% off your order with code BUILD30 at checkout. Do not miss out on this amazing limited offer. FitTrack.com slash Vibin with code BUILD30 at checkout. And if you would have ended the day or left your experience with that, it, it would be completely different. My narrative would have been, I used to love roller coasters and now I'm yeah. afraid of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like I know you so well. You guys <laughs> want to hear me some- so well. <laughs> you guys want to hear something funny that I do when I have fears sometimes, and this is my like a unique little strategy. Love to. So yeah. I'm a big like reincarnation believer. That's like yeah. my thought. And so whenever I'm like scared to do something, I'm like, well, worst case scenario is like, I'm going to die, but it's fine. Cause then I'll just come back and like, try again, or I'll try a different way. I'm always like, Oh, I'll just come back. It's fine. Or like, usually my anxiety, 
the fear is, oh, there's not enough time. There's not enough time. Yeah. Then I'm like, well, I'm never actually going to stop existing. So really all I have is time. And then from that perspective, I'm way less anxious and I can have a lot more freedom in my mind and in my life. So that's my little tidbit for any of you reincarnators out there. It really helps. (laughs) Yeah. I believe in reincarnation too, for sure. It's funny because my kids will even be like, because in my next life and I'm just like okay well ch- hold on <laughs> I just cute. don't want them to think they get like a like an immediate like you know like what I mean like I'm trying to ride the line between you don't just get a redo immediate it's a little bit more complicated but I also really want them to like achieve and succeed and try things and not be you know what I mean so you're a mom Monica I know you get this weird like you have it's a tightrope walk in every situation because <laughs> you don't want them to go really crazy one way or really crazy the other and you have to make sure you're not giving them all you're crazy and it's just like but it's anyway and it's it's so funny because my I find my kids saying stuff like that all the time just like when I come back or when I have my next life I'm gonna do this and I'm just like you're the cutest thing ever that's so interesting I do want to ask you how they came to believe that um but also what I tell my kids is that everything you do matters, right? Yeah. So the point of, of reincarnation, and I don't think, I think you can tell your children this too, is that, you know, it's to leave the world um, even better than how you came into it so that you learn new things. Like use an example of for children, right? Learning a language, right? It's something now that you are learning. So in the next lifetime, it's going to be with you. You already know that. So you have time to learn new things, right? And I use it a lot about being kind, right? It's about building your character to make sure that your understanding of who you are and how kind you are is now greater every year that passes. Mm -hmm. So in your next lifetime, you start here instead of here, right? Um, I think that's, I remember when I was in high school, I used to get my friends to do all kinds of things. I'd be like, you only live once. And then I I stumbled across Kabbalah, um, which is my spiritual study when I was uh, 18. And I was like, oh my God, you don't only live once. So, and I got my kids, my friends to do horrible things. I was like, just go do it. Only live once. You only live this lifetime once. Right. Yeah. Probably. We'll just go with that. Probably. And but who knows? I don't know. pro- because time's not real, we're probably doing them all at the same time. I mean, it's just such a crazy rabbit hole. But I actually, my kids kind of popped out believing in it. And I think it's because it's just a part really? of me. But like, I always tell the story of my four-year-old. Well, my, my oldest, he's nine. He, at various moments of his toddlerhood, would say things like, remember, like one thing, remember when we were in the wooden house and I got hit with an arrow right here? And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, right here. Remember, we were at this house, it was wooden. And I was like, you know, I don't want to like squash it, but I did not know what to say. And then like those those little things happened and- and then my four-year-old, now four, he was about two or three when he said this, but he goes, mommy, remember when we were here before, but we looked different and now we're here now and we look like this. And I was like, what, what did we look like? And then of course he couldn't tell. He's just like, you know, we're just different. And I was like, okay. It, it's wow, little things like cool. that. I really didn't have to do anything to teach them about it. They kind of to- told me about, you know, things, but um, it's always been such a secret thrill for me to hear my kids say stuff like that. And, you know, when we talk about it, it's just like, yeah, we've, we've been together for a long time, you know, and it's really sweet, those conversations, but I love yeah. that. I know it's really, really beautiful. I, I can't 
can't imagine having four though. That's crazy. <laughs> I wish for it, but at the same time, it's like, ooh, four is a lot. I have three, so I'm almost there, but not quite. Yeah. I know. <laughs> when they start to outnumber you and your husband or it's like, okay. Yeah. We uh we 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 can't team we can't team up. They 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 win every time. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, so I love this conversation about fear because no, everyone has fear. You know, as Kelsey introduced the episode, we all go through moments where we find ourselves in the trenches of worry and stress and as speculation. Um, I guess what I would really love to know is your, Monica, personal techniques or, um, you know, guidance you can give people who are just like, how do I get out of those moments of panic? You know, because it's so easy to be like, yeah, this worked out fine or everything's fine now. But in the moment when you feel it coming up, what is it that you do to really kind of transition or, or redirect your thoughts elsewhere to feel better? I think um, a lot of times people just need to pause and ask themselves what happened, you know, an hour ago or 20 minutes ago, or what shifted that is now bringing up this feeling of dread or anxiety or fear, right? If you go back, you're, you usually can identify a trigger, right? Maybe it's something that you realize you need to do that you don't want to do, or something you want to do, but you doubt that you can do it. So I think that's really important to pause, catch the thought, and then challenge the thought, right? So um, because, and, and to your point earlier, it's like we, we create these false stories in our head and we believe them then to be truth. And then we respond to that instead of putting energy to what we really want to do. And I think it's self-sabotage at its finest, right? If we stay connected to this, even though it's uncomfortable and it's painful, we're going to stay connected to the fear, to the negative feeling. It's something I know versus the unknown of trying that new thing that I really do desire. Because mm -hmm. in that new space, I have the possibility of failing and I don't want to do that right? That's a feeling that I don't like and that I'm not familiar with. So I think that it's really important for people just to pause, try to catch the thought, and then to do that exercise I said earlier, you know, if I keep this alive, what is my life going to look like one year from now? Just start at one year and, uh, and, and then they have to, they have to, and I think consciousness is something you have to put a lot of energy into growing and totally. changing, just like if you go to a gym, right? And you might get really fit or muscular and then you don't go for six months. Well, then you're gonna have to start over again. And muscle has memory and you'll be able to pick it back up, but it's something that requires a lot of attention. Unfortunately, I think people have trained themselves or have learned to respond to external validation, um, what other people think they should be doing or looking at what other people are doing and saying they're lucky and I'm unlucky. I think all of these things really to pause and identify your false beliefs so you can create new ones that really work for you. I have a big question that always comes up for me and everyone when we talk about fear and intuition. And the question is like how to decipher, right? Because I feel like in the moment of panic, like for example, on the roller coaster, you're having this fear, but how do you know if it's just the fear that we don't need to listen to, or if you're actually going to die on the roller coaster and you should have listened to your intuition and then you die and you're like, damn it, I knew it. I should have listened. <laughs> well, I really like this question because they, they feel familiar. They feel also very similar, right? Yeah. So what I say is, for instance, let's say you're walking into um, a dark parking lot and let's say you park your car there every morning for work or whatever it's your, or if it's your apartment building, whatever it is. And 
every day that you go walk in there or you, or when you're leaving to get your car, whatever it is, you have that feeling of fear, like, oh my God, I'm going to be attacked or whatever it is. That is fear. Okay. Now let's say if you were to walk into that parking lot and you never feel that feeling, but on one particular day, you Mm -hmm. feel that that is intuition. Why? Because intuition is something that is based in the moment. It's based on now. Fear is something that is usually on based on past experiences or worried about something that could happen in the future. It's not something that is present and it's not real, therefore, right? So intuition is always going to be in the now. It's in today. Those fears, right? Is not, if you have that fear every day, it's like, okay, maybe you read something on the news or you had a friend growing up and that happened to her, right? It's something that's now in your subconscious that is there and it's working to keep you panicked and stuck, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, that's a good um, distinction, a good rule of thumb generally for uh, distinguishing between the two. I like that explanation a lot. Lindsay, do you have anything to say on that? Because you work with a lot of people's fears doing hypnosis and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I like what Monica said earlier about it becomes effort. It becomes like going to the gym because I, I mean, I always just tell my clients anything that you want to be subconscious has to start consciously. The only things that we're born with are the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. So everything else that you're afraid of at this moment is learned. You know, you've through past experiences or um, worried about the future, you've kind of trained yourself to be afraid of these things when now that we know that it's learned, it's it may or may not become easier or more empowering to unlearn, you know. Uh, but it is, it is practice. And I I like what she says about Monica, you sorry, <laughs> like I'm talking about her, like she's not here. I like what Monica said about um about uh practicing and challenging and what do I, you know, this is what I say, what do I want to believe instead? You know, if this is the belief right now, I know how that feels and it's not ideal what is it I would like? What is a better feeling thought? What is a better feeling belief? And then just practice, (laughs) you know, you're going to have to practice every little moment of the day until it becomes easier and you have to practice less and then it will just become automatic. You know, that's what I found. So I do want to, I wanted to touch on that again, just because it is so important to know that if you challenge the thought and you, you think of a thought that feels better, one moment, but you can't do it the next, like, that's okay. I want to let people off the hook and just drive it home that it is a practice. And you, you know, until it becomes subconscious, you're going to need to do the, do the legwork, I guess, take care of that conscious part, you know. Attention, all ladies with periods. I have some information that is going to make your life way better and your period much more enjoyable. So I don't know if you guys have heard about flex yet, But Flex is a company that is innovating period care with products that are body safe, made for comfort, and made to keep you moving. My personal favorite is the Flex Disc, which is a one-time use menstrual disc that fits perfectly inside your body. It's kind of like a hair tie with plastic attached to it to like catch the blood and it fits right inside of you so you don't even feel it once it goes in and it's really easy to put in really easy to remove it can be worn for up to 12 hours and holds as much as three super tampons so that's nice you don't have to change it out super often like you would with a tampon or a pad Um, it's not a cup it's unlike any other period product you've ever seen before like I said think hair tie very small and squishy so it goes up there and it's really easy you don't even notice and it's the only product you can wear for mess-free period sex. 
Who doesn't love that? You are liberated. You can have sex on your period now with this product. So I can't recommend it enough. Also, they reduce waste by 60% compared to pads and tampons. So the planet will thank you too. And if you want to go zero waste, check out the Flex Cup, which is a reusable cup made with a velvety soft material for a comfortable fit. If you've already thought about trying a menstrual cup, this is the one. Flex offers the only menstrual cup on the market with a pull tab, so you can remove it in the same way that you remove a tampon. It's so easy, you already know how to do it. Your Flex Cup is 100% reusable and lasts for years, plus it's completely body safe and non-toxic. Yay for non-toxic. So say goodbye to leaks, mess, and stress, and say hello to healthier periods for people and the planet with Flex. Go to flexfits.com and use code VIBIN for 20% off your Flex Disc Starter Kit or 10% off your first Flex Cup, plus free U.S. shipping. That's code V-I-B-I-N at flexfits.com. That's F-L-E-X fits.com. I think no matter what, we need to be kind to ourselves in any process totally. we find ourselves in. I think that unfortunately, again, the the shame we may feel um, or the negative feelings we have about ourselves, those are all, they started somewhere, right? Where was that belief formed? So I like people to go back to their childhood often or as early as they can remember starting to feel like that. What was the situation that made you feel shame or made you feel bad about yourself or separate from yourself? And then go back and really look at it from the space you're in today as a grown up, because we tend to keep those beliefs alive and we view them from that space of who we were when we created the belief system. But if we're honest with ourselves and we give ourselves permission to challenge it and the idea of change and embracing change, then we can look back now and say, okay, what else was going on in my life at that time? If it was something your parents made you feel, what was going on in their narrative and their story? What did their life look like, right? And I I just think that people, the, the first thing we have to do is give ourselves permission to be able to perhaps see something differently or think differently. Just be honest with yourself. You don't even have to act on anything that you discover, but you really want to approach your life like an investigator, gathering facts to see how you got to where you are today. Oh, I love that. I say that all the time. Just observe. We're just observing. We're just, we're playing the the observer, you know, no judgment. We always get into that cycle of like judging ourselves for judging ourselves and these things. So yeah, yeah, I I 100% agree. You always want to, every opportunity, just be kind to yourself. Because you're literally every second, not the same person you were five seconds ago. And, you know, to your point about change, we're not the same people as when we started this conversation. You know, it's we're always in a fluid, constant state of change. So that's the only constant in life, I think. You know? And when you're doing the interrogation of life, just know that a little bit of brutal honesty with yourself can go a long way, oh, yeah. <laughs> a very, very long way. So compassionate inquiry with a little hint of brutality it's a good way to go i found brutality hang on explain brutal in the sense of like i'm gonna be so brutally honest right now even if i don't like what i'm saying if i don't like the answer i'm just gonna be honest about it and not hiding things even from yourself because how often do we not we pretend like oh yeah that's the truth and it's not not your truth you know Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And usually, you know, especially with self-talk, I love that you touch on this a lot, Monica, it's a huge thing for me is self-talk and what you don't even know you're thinking about yourself and what you don't even know is going on in the background. You know, 90% of the time I found it's, it's 
not even their voice. It's, as you mentioned, it's a voice from the past or an authoritative figure or somebody that influenced them that they didn't even know they were carrying around. So that's where compassion becomes so much more important because it's probably not you. You're just repeating a message that you've heard and it's become so ingrained because it affected you in such a big way. You know? And that's the thing. I mean, when we feel um, pain from a thought we have about ourselves, you really have to stop in that moment and say, okay, what is going on here? Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not willing to live like that anymore. There's somebody that I work with and he, he's still single, but he was single for a really long time. And he was at a bar and uh, you know, the whole night he felt really good. He was meeting people. He felt good about himself. And then um, he went to the bathroom and then he was washing his hands, looked in the mirror, whatever. He walks out and all of a sudden he's like, what are you doing here? What's wrong with you? Like, no one's going to be attracted to you. Look how old you are. Look how you look. You should leave. So he left. And he's telling me stories. Like, I don't understand what happened. And I said, and I said, let's go back, right? That exercise that I told you guys, five minutes, 10 minutes, what went on? What were you thinking? And he's, and then we discovered that when he was washing his hands and he looked in the mirror, he judged himself. Mm-hmm. And he had this thought of like, oh, look at you. And then he walked out and he was like, why am I here? But he couldn't even catch how that happened. It was just a glance in the mirror. So when he realized what he, that was where it indicated where he needed to work on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's that kind of honesty. We just need to be able to tell ourselves um, and have those kind of conversations. Give yourself emotional feedback. Yeah, so true. Do you have any last pointers on releasing stress because we've talked a lot about worry different types of fear um questioning the fear are there any other daily practices or rituals or techniques that um help you or your clients to release stress just in general there's so many um i think that there's a few my my favorite really is and i started doing this and i actually don't feel stressed anymore it really worked amazingly well so for a while, I was like, oh, I'm so stressed. And I, was, and I would hear myself I'm like, wait, what? You, there's something wrong here if you're working on things that you love and that you're passionate about and you're always feeling stressed. Like, where is the disconnect? So I asked myself the question, you know, am I excited about everything I'm working on? Because maybe I'm not, right? Let me reevaluate. Um, and there were probably two things I let go of and the rest, it was a really long list. I'm like, yes, I am. So I realized I'm going to change and convert the word stress to excited. So instead mm-hmm. of I feel stressed to do this, I would say I feel really excited to do this, right? Because again, I'm doing what I love. I believe in what I'm doing. And the only person that's really putting pressure on me is me. So if I change the narrative, right? It's just that one word to excited. It actually changed the way I approached what I did and how much I felt I needed to achieve in one day. So that was a big shift, you know? The other thing is... Um, that when I do in the moment feel stressed, if I'm preparing for a big talk or I'm about to go and do something big, I actually just put music on and I start to dance around the house. That release, right? Just the physically moving your body, connecting to joy, that eliminates stress completely. And then again, you're just left with what is important. I'm doing what I love. I'm about to go express something, I'm excited. So I think physically that that is a big way to, um, to get there. Yeah, I think shake out the energy, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of like physiological and biological stress hacks, I think that we don't utilize enough, right? Because I notice like, if I'm getting stressed, and I'm just stuck in my mind worrying, I'll just go outside. And as soon as I get fresh air, sun on my face, I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I feel so much better. 
matter? What was I so worried about? <laughs> you just know, reminding totally, yourself to totally. do that. We don't always have sun over here, but um, what I do, which is like really weird, and I never really even realized I was like it worked. I would go in my closet. So I think I, I discovered this out of exhaustion one day and I laid down on the floor mm-hmm. and I looked up and I just like saw things, right? Like clothes and items and physical things. It took me so out of reality that I was like, nothing's really important. What am I stressed about? Like yeah. I was stressed about a thing then. I was like, I can connect or disconnect to anything I want to, right? Ooh, that's a quote because you totally can. Everything's a decision. You can disconnect and reconnect from anything. Oh, that's beautiful. I know it's at the end, but that was one of my favorite things you said so far. (laughs) (laughs) Saving the best for last. You know, like when you say the right words in the right order and in a certain situation, like I could have heard the same words yesterday and it never would have hit me as much as it did just now. It's a choice. It's a decision. And it's a beautiful decision that we get to make, you know? Yeah. And the the other thing, I mean, I have a lot of stress hacks. I think I'm a type A person. So I had to figure these out early on um, is that, you know, a lot of times people feel so disappointed with how they handled the situation. Let's say they were really stressed out about something and they yelled at their child or they yelled at another driver or whatever it is. And we're not feeling we're acting in our best, most authentic, powerful way. You can restart your day at any time, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to stress about the way you acted in that day. And oh my God, I'm going to write the day off. A lot of people do that, right? Or they'll go my have a drink. does that all the time. Like, come on, man. Yeah. So you can restart your day over and over again, if you need to. I think when you live life like that, with that flexibility, with that, um, that flow, right. Nothing can really affect you in huge ways. And that's the goal. And on a more macro scale, you can redo, redesign and totally change your life. It doesn't have to even be just in the middle of the day. It could be in the middle of your life. You could just redesign a whole new one and recreate a whole new one. So um, it works in the micro and the macro very nicely to give you the freedom to expand, evolve, to pivot with grace and to just know that it's your life. So if you don't like it, you can change it. That's the beauty. And if you don't, you get a redo. No, <laughs> That's what we think. That's what we think so far. <laughs> Love it. Oh well, thank you so much for being here. This was so awesome, Monica. Can you it. tell people where they can find your books, how they can work with you, learn more about you, and then we'll head over to the Patreon and keep this conversation going. Uh, yes, you can find my books on Amazon. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at uh, monicaberg74 and my blog is called rethinklife.today um, and my husband and I also have a podcast called spiritually hungry which is available wherever you get your podcast so love lots of ways it. to connect yeah yay we love podcasts so everyone go subscribe go listen mm-hmm. leave nice reviews for her and soak up all her wisdom and her husband that sounds fun that you guys do that together mm-hmm. how cute I love Thank it you. well Everybody, thanks for being here. Have an awesome, awesome day. We love you. Lindsay, are there any announcements that you need to say? Just uh, don't sleep on the membership. I just added a whole (laughs) bunch of new audios. So go check out the membership. It's the Align Your Mind membership. You can find it on my website and it's bomb. Yes. It is though. Yeah, people say that. I say things are bomb all the time. It's fire. It's bomb. It's fire. Yeah. What about you, Kels? (laughs) um announcements i actually 
am wanting to bring on a couple more one-on-one clients these days because I really value that work and it's very exciting to me right now. So if you're like, dang, I've been wanting to pick Kelsey's brain or just have her perspective in my life on a weekly basis, uh, let me know. Just go to kelseyaida.com slash coaching and that's where you can find all the info. But other than that, that's really it. We love you guys. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you over at the Patreon. Thanks for listening. We hope you love this episode. If you love High Vibe in it, become a part of our Patreon family. You can support the show, see the extended version of this episode, get bonus content, and access exclusive discounts. Head over to patreon.com slash high vibe to join. We have tons of perks waiting there for you, and we're always hanging out in there, so we hope to see you inside. Please feel free to share the show and help us spread the high vibes far and wide. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And if you feel inspired to leave a review, we always appreciate it. See you next week.